Welcome to the Adea DPL podcast. In this episode, Steve Levent with SSNC Advent provides insight on the recent partnership with DPL, how technology has transformed the client advisor relationship, and how Black Diamond plans to elevate the experience to a new level. Here's DPL's founder and CEO, David Lau. Welcome, everybody. We're speaking today with Steve Levent. SVP and co-general manager of SSNC Advents Advisory Business. Thank you very much, David. And thank you for having me. Thrilled to be able to do this podcast. This will be fun talking a little bit about yourself and SSNC Advent and and Black Diamond today. So you, you have been with SSNC Advents for about twenty years now, and you've seen a lot in those twenty years. I'm sure. Why don't you you know tell us a little bit about your background, kind of how you came up through the organization, and and what kind of growth you've seen you know, as the uh, co-general manager of SSNC Advance Advisory Business. Yeah, so it's funny. I like to tell people that I got to SSNC through a couple of arranged marriages. So I, I actually was a was acquired by. Advent in 2002. I was working for a business that I had been at since 2000, which is you know where that that 20 year uh, history came from. And the entire time that I've been here, I've really been focused on uh, the side of our business that caters to uh, advisors and, and wealth managers. What then happened in in 2011, we acquired Black Diamond, and so the the second part of that arranged marriage is I then picked up moved my family from New York to Jacksonville, Florida and join the Black Diamond team, which is really the, the tip of the spear of our you know, wealth management and advisory capabilities here uh, at SSNC these days. That's sort of my background. And Black Diamond today is it's about 1,700 firms that we serve. Vast majority are uh, independent advisors. We still have somewhere in the neighborhood of about 15 firms utilizing different Advent products, things like Axis and, and APX, that are primarily in the business of, of wealth management and, and advisory. And and so my responsibility here is overseeing those relationships, making sure that we deliver value to those clients and make sure that we're constantly iterating to deliver new features that they can consume that make their practices more efficient and allow them to better uh, engage with their end clients. That's great. Where did you kind of come up as a technologist or a business development? Where, where, what area of the business did you start in? Yeah, kind of neither. Uh, operations actually is where I came up. My first job was reconciling, uh, you know, custody information against uh, some of our internal books and records that we use for reporting. I, I sort of split that difference. I don't really have a, you know, a super technical background beyond what I've learned in the last twenty years. And everybody in this industry is, is certainly in uh, in business development. So, yeah. but I, I I never had a direct job in in the sales world either. Yeah, it's always valuable to have all kinds of experience so that even if you never want to do that kind of job ever again, that you can actually appreciate what it takes to get it done. The downside of operations is I know a little bit too much to be (laughs) be dangerous. And and so, you know, I, I will often catch myself talking about, you know. Reconciliation or accruals or things that I I, I probably should uh, you know let the experts speak to these days, <laughs> right? And I I think we've seen you know quite a in those twenty years. I mean, you've experienced it firsthand. I, I've seen it. I've been in the RIA space about you know sixteen years myself. I think you've seen a little bit of kind of a cyclical experience in terms of technology. Like it used to be back in the day, everybody had kind of an all-in-one solution. Maybe they got it from their custodian. Uh, you know, as the RA world was early and then they kind of went to some point solutions and then it was 
well, that's really inefficient because they don't talk, those systems don't talk to each other. And now we're coming back to, it's like more at least seamless and going back to more all-in-one. And maybe you can just talk a little bit about what you've seen there. Yeah, and, and, and you're absolutely right. It was a kind of an all-in-one solution followed by a suite solution. I think that the big difference these days is I think advisors should expect that, you know, the systems they choose speak to each other much more efficiently than they ever did. Now with uh, software as a service, everything's in the cloud, APIs, which, you know, if you're not technical, is a application uh, programming interface. You know, basically these systems are designed to, you know, speak together, even though, you know, they may not natively be in the same data center or even, you know, built by the same company. And so really, I mean, that is the one of the great things that, you know, uh, advisors have the ability to do today is really have these solutions talk to each other. And you know, I think the other thing that's, that happened, though, is that the number of solutions and providers that are available in the space are probably up a hundredfold from what they were just 10 or 15 years ago. I mean, you go to a conference today, an advisor like a Schwab Impact or, you know, one of the big custody events, and the number of vendors and partners that are there in these you know technology areas is vast. It's amazing to see all the tools that advisors have uh, available to really you know optimize their practice. And it's become more and more important and particularly in this year, as you know, so we've experienced a really unique year and I know you, you know you were talking earlier about some you know very timely features you guys happen happen to launch but you know, you're, you've been in a, a unique position in that you're supporting so many businesses, you know, through this, you know, COVID and the pandemic and all the disruption, but you've got your own business to run, right? So you you probably had your own challenges while having to support literally, you know, 16, 1700 other businesses that are dependent on you to meet their challenges. Tell us a little bit about what this year has been like. Yeah, it's been an interesting year, uh, no doubt. The good news is we are a technology company, you know, as a result, you know, we were already utilizing a number of tools that were available to us. And so maybe we're a little bit further ahead on the curve of, you know, being able to transition to this fully remote state, uh, you know, than, than some of our clients were. We were already utilizing things like Zoom and Teams and Slack and, you know, some of the, the you know, the mobile access capabilities. I think that the most amazing part to me, though, has been no business in the history of the world, as I'm aware of, has a business continuity plan that entails 100% of their team working remotely for you know maybe a year. Right? It's it's sort of unheard of. You know, you, you build out these plans and they're all related to disasters or you know or or uh, or sort of you know short duration events. In many ways, um, you know, our transition to working from home went more seamlessly than I even expected. Right? We had an army of uh, IT and infrastructure folks that were making sure that our systems were optimized to be able to handle the, the, the traffic and bandwidth coming back into our networks when everyone's sitting at home. Uh, and they did an incredible job, you know, really the first couple of weeks and leading up to, you know, what we thought might be a, a large scale work from home event. So the good news there is that we were in great shape to be able to support our clients uh, when they then went through the same exercise, you know, maybe, a you know, the same week or a couple of weeks later. And so, it's been interesting to run a business in this fully remote world where, you know, we've done hiring, we've done onboarding, we've done promotions and, and job changes, uh, and all of those are happening totally remotely and virtual at this point. I'm happy that we're able to uh, do that and, and in some ways, you know, share some of those learnings with our clients that are obviously going through a very similar thing at this point. 
Yeah, it's been a crazy year. We've had you know much of the same experience. We've got you know people we've hired that you have never met their manager face to face, you know, other than through you know video call or something like that. It'd be unheard of just a year ago. And so technology is increasingly important. And one of the things I wanted to get your perspective on is the advisory world, you know, for a long time, advisors many of them considered themselves relationship managers. It's a lot about the face-to-face and the relationships. With more and more technology, like you were just talking about, coming into play, you always read these studies about like how much more efficient uh, you know, firms are that really adopt technology and firms that do technology well, grow faster and things like that. Why don't you provide a little bit of perspective from your point of view on what you see advisors using, what helps them in their practice, and how do you guys support that? Walmart, who everyone thinks of as a, you know, a retailer, obviously, at the end of the day, they're really in the technology business, right? It's, yes. you know, everything they do is to optimize and, you know, make sure that product is available on the shelf or on the virtual shelf for their clients. And it's all enabled, facilitated through technology. I think the saying is like, you know, every business these days is a technology business, whether you build it or buy it. The, the business that we're in today is how can an advisor leverage their knowledge and sort of love of the client relationship and, and helping uh, end investors, but be able to do it more effectively, more efficiently, uh, and potentially serve a you know a, a larger audience? Technology is is the solution there, right? And you know I'll use one example: you know, rebalancing what used to be an exercise of you know sort of manually picking up a household or a client and taking a look at their current allocation and, you know, how far that's drifted away from their model allocation, which is ultimately dictated by sort of a a risk profiling or an IPS. Well, now all of those capabilities are, are automated. And so, you know, today... An advisor, what they should expect is they should expect to come into the office and, and, or the virtual office, and they should be able to open up their technology, Black Diamond in, in this case, and Black Diamond or whatever tool they're using, they should expect that they surface, you know, the opportunities and actions that really need to be taken. An advisor that might have have had to go and, you know, let's say every quarter, take a look sort of manually at their client and, and see, you know, whether or not they've drifted out of the tolerance band. Well, now all that information is being pushed to you. It should be an incredible time save to really only work on those exceptions that need to be addressed and really ignore everything else that continues to be intolerance. And I think that's one example of, of ways that technology can you know, free up an incredible amount of time. And even if it's not an incredible amount of time, let's say you're an advisor that you know, has a, a back office that really focuses on, on trading and rebalancing. Well, if nothing else, you know, now you need less people in the back office and neither can shift those resources to focus on client relationships or you become a more efficient practice. And so that's one example of how advisors can leverage technology to sort of really scale their relationship management practice. And But there are countless others uh, like that. One of the things that's kind of brought us to our partnership is the RA industry that we've both been in for you know, 15, 20 years has really changed, right? So... 15 years ago, DPL wouldn't have probably been very successful or possible uh, because RIAs were mostly asset managers. The environment's really changed. They're expanding what they're doing in order to keep up with demands from their clients. They're providing more holistic services. Now RIAs are financial planners and wealth managers. 
and every advisor is trying to be the financial quarterback for their client. And so I think the piece of insurance in doing it in a fee-only fiduciary commission-free way is a really important component to help advisors expand what they're doing. And, and maybe you can give a little perspective on you know, the advent insurance marketplace uh, that, that we're launching together. First of all, we're, we're very excited about the Avid Insurance Marketplace powered by DPL. We went into this really for, for two reasons. I mean, the first one is DPL has a great reputation in the marketplace. And as mentioned in our wealth management advisory business here at Advent, the vast majority of, of firms that we serve are independent advisors and having the capability to offer fee-only products there, we think is, is going to be incredibly helpful. But it's incredibly helpful because of the other thing we're seeing in the market, which is advisors are are coming back around to insurance products. And it's it's interesting that you you know made that analogy to you know an, an RAA fifteen years ago was an asset manager. I think you're spot on, right? And if you really go through the life cycle, if you went independent in you know I don't know 1995, right? You you probably left a wirehouse or a broker dealer. Where there, you know, you were managing money, but you were also encouraged to push product, if you will. And I think a lot of advisors, when they went independent, they they shed their licenses because they, you know, they wanted to act as the fiduciary and they didn't want to do anything that was not in the best interest of their clients. And so, you know, now you fast forward 15 years, and what's happening is that many of their clients uh, are approaching retirement. To your point, the the business has changed. You know, the real value in what an independent advisor does these days is not really in the asset management component. It's in the planning and allocation, if you will. And now what's happening is that as you have you know, clients retiring or, or, you know, or in their early years of retirement, well, a portion of that allocation, an insurance product may make sense for them to generate some, you know, some income or for long-term health care or for disability are really coming back around to the value of insurance products as part of the portfolio, but having them delivered in a non-commission fee-only way uh, is the way of the future. And so, you know, we really do see that happening and and we we feel as if we want to be in a position to provide value to our clients. I'll just, you know, run through a personal uh, experience. I have an advisor. Uh, I don't quite need an annuity yet to generate a guaranteed income, but you know, I certainly you know do need life insurance. And I recently went through my you know periodic uh, financial plan checkup, and, and my advisor relayed to me that you know, hey, you really need to increase your life insurance. Um, and so I I said, great. Well, you know, who, who should I work with? You know, can you help me with that? And you know, he, his response was like, no, 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 just you know, go and get an insurance broker, and you know, go and you know, get life insurance. And I. I think there was a gap in that personally as a, you know, a consumer of his services, but I also think he's missing a big opportunity. Uh, and, and, and frankly, you know, part of his fiduciary role, he should be making sure that I actually execute on that advice and, uh, and complete it. And so I think we have the, the ability to you know, avoid situations like I went through where an advisor that runs into a client that has an insurance need has the ability to really complete that entire cycle and, and make sure that the client gets the, the, the capabilities and product they need. The advisor then has the, the ability to make sure that that was done. And so as they're going through their financial planning and their estate planning, they can check the box that you know the, the long-term care insurance or the life insurance has been purchased. And, and that's something that we, we feel is changing and we feel that advisors will get real value out of this partnership. Yeah. 
course, I agree with you completely. And what we've seen in the two and a half years, we've really been out in market and we've signed up a thousand firms is, you know, some firms look at it proactively, you know, in that they want to be providing more holistic solutions. And some of them look at it more defensively where, you know, your advisor was comfortable with you going to find your own insurance. Insurance providers are more and more competitive with RIAs these days. And the New York Life Agents is now a CFP. Mm-hmm who's looking to manage the whole relationship. So, you know, we, we get it from kind of both directions, but at the end of the day, I think it comes down to it. It's a, it's a better way in a more holistic, complete way to serve your client and, you know, risk management tools like insurance, you know, need to be part of the equation. And, you know, we're happy to you know be at the forefront of bringing them to people in a way that fits their business model, commission-free, no load product. And, and that to me has been one of the, the major reasons, if not the major reason that RIAs have historically not leveraged insurance as much as they might ought to. I think you are spot on. Appreciate that. One of the things you were mentioning there is breakaways. So you were talking about people back in the day when they might may have left a warehouse or or a broker dealer. That that's still a big trend, right? Of people, you know, people leaving. And there's so many you know, like firms like yourself who can really help help somebody do it. Before it used to be a little uncertain. There weren't a, you know weren't a lot of people breaking away doing it. You had to be a real entrepreneur. Now there's a pretty clear path. There's lots of firms who can help you with every aspect of going independent. Talk about you know how you work with uh, breakaway advisors these days. Sure. You're absolutely right. I mean, I, I I said, you know, back in the day, the reality is, is this has been a trend 20 years in the making. Yes. I think the, the numbers, if I'm not mistaken, are that, you know, the independent advice business has grown by, I think it's like nine or 8.9 or 9% on a compound rate for about the last 20 years. Um, and so, you know, this is this is going to be a trend that we think continues, um, you know, and, and, you know, this is a great business and, and, you know, advisors want to be in a position to provide unbiased advice. Uh, and, you know, we think the, the model structure of the future is really the, the RIA. There are entire businesses set up around helping to facilitate a, a breakaway and they do everything from help you navigate and pick out your custodians and technology providers to, getting a lease, getting you desks, phone systems, helping with all of your paperwork to do the conversion. It's incredible the, you know, the number of, of businesses have been set up really to, to support that ecosystem. Interestingly enough, the custodians are the ones that probably interact with breakaways the most frequently. And I think the one thing that's changed quite a bit is 10 years ago, you know, going and starting a $200 million RAA was pretty common. Today, if you have $200 million in asset center management and you'd like to break away, more often than not, the custodians are actually going to introduce you to potentially a, a business where you could tuck in, go independent, become part of their, their business. But what we're seeing is, is even though the number of breakaways continues to grow and the number of RAs continues to grow, you know, there is definitely something to scale. And you know, with scale, you, you, know, you obviously get expertise, you get uh, access to technology to, at a much lower price point. That is an area that you know certainly has changed. Is that you know today the custodian or the recruiter that you're working with, if you're considering a breakaway, they're just as likely to introduce you to four, five, ten different uh, companies that might be a good cultural fit for you. In addition to helping support your full breakaway, the AUM of a big RIA has grown massively over the last decade as well. Right? It used to be five hundred million dollars was a big a big RIA. Now it's you know five billion dollars. It's it's fascinating yeah. to see. That of these businesses and, and how quickly they've grown. 
yeah, like it's a barbell effect, right? I mean, the market's going to either direction. You're going to have massive, huge players with tons of assets under management and, and others that are smaller shops that are really more relationship managers and they're not actually managing assets. They're outsourcing that in many ways and you're going to have very few people in between. I mean, not that we're getting there tomorrow, but I mean, that's the general direction. Who's your ideal client? It seems like you skew a little bit larger, but I'm sure you've got advisors across the spectrum. We do. We serve firms that have $40 million in assets under management and are sole proprietors of the of the practice all the way through you know, some of the largest uh, national brands that got there through uh, acquisition and you know the capture of these you know, breakaway advisors that they've tucked into other businesses. The ideal consumer is a skews to a larger independent advisor, but are really in the advice business. And what I mean by that is they're in the business of planning and allocation primarily, not necessarily in the business of running a, a rep as PM sort of bottoms up asset management approach for all of their clients. They may be doing that for a sleeve of the investments, but the, the majority of them, they're utilizing third-party managers and funds and ETFs and you know other capabilities there. I think we think about a firm that does have some separation of responsible of professional duties. So, you know, there's an advisor that is going to be typically interacting with the the end investors. There's going to be obviously some supporting uh, teams around that advisor. There may be a separate you know trader that is responsible for you know leveraging the rebalancer and and actually you know executing on and approving the trades. We sort of have this vision of of that kind of firm in mind, and the reason behind that is that you know that we feel like when we're when we're squarely shooting for sort of the middle, we should be able to capture business kind of on the full spectrum. That's great. Yeah, rep is PM. I haven't haven't heard that term in a little while, but um, no, I totally get it. We look at in general, you know, our constituency. Yes, we work within a firm. Is generally the asset managers or the reps as PMs and the financial planners. Annuities, insurance fit into both of those things. The financial planners generally love what we do because if fits and enhances the financial plan. They're often getting better client outcomes and Monte Carlo scores by introducing you know, annuities and risk management products. The portfolio managers, they're a little tougher because they're the ones who've been investors you know, their, their whole life and they've solved problems through investment products, you know, not through insurance products. Mm-hmm. We work with a lot of different firms. One of them is an asset manager who's Talk to us about the fact is when you're an asset manager, you want to solve everything through investments. When you're an insurance person, you want to solve everything through insurance. The fact is you need both to do the right job for your client. And, and that's why we're super excited about the partnership with SS&C Advent and, and bring the insurance marketplace to market. That's great. And we certainly are as well. And looking forward to providing that additional value to our clients. And I think it will be leveraged significantly. This has been really great. I appreciate the time, Steve. And thanks for having me. And thanks for the time this afternoon. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Advent Insurance Marketplace powered by DPL and to hear more episodes, go to dplfp.com.